I'm better known as a clever grown ass man. This is so last. I put that old ass man, rock a fan base. All the records gon' sell. If you don't know, we come to blow and tell. Live from Alline Gallery, 5045, right? York. Did I get that right? 5045, York. 5045. In Los Angeles, California. York Boulevard. Beautiful, beautiful art gallery. Beautiful back, spacious back, uh, back area. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, this is fly. They also do every, like every third Sunday, Sunspot Jones hosts uh, independent film uh uh night yeah yeah so yeah i like that you see the big white screen right there you know and that's right. and it's a beautiful thing and he has to set up and all that stuff that's real fly yeah and this is the, of course our official location for wake the flock up this show being on wake the flock up network now that we developed a couple shows we need our own network mm-hmm. and uh this is our official la spot great show so far uh i can't foresee us not having a great time every time we come down here yeah you know i mean we always enjoy it yeah, this is dope. I'm here, of course, with the sec or with the you know me. The show is hosted by myself, Concept Seven Four, and the legendary Abstract Rude. What's yeah. up? Wake the what? flock up. Network Flow yeah. and Tell Radio is definitely in your radius. We're all up in between your ears. <laughs> we're above the neck and between the ears. Yeah, we're working it out because that's where we're it up all there starts. Though. You know we're what I mean? There. We're bouncing around in your headspace. My name is Abstract Rule from ATU Mass Man Project Blow. Heavyweights, keep the feel. Entertainment, rhyme sayers, all those various affiliations, and uh, we want to thank y'all for tuning in to our second episode of Flow and Tell Radio, the show that seeks to put a spotlight on all artistry just artistry period we're, we're right here at the beautiful align gallery once again where different artists display their art um there's there's different exhibits that go on uh from month to month with different artists there's a there's a display going on right now so big up to align and all artists everywhere not just visual arts and crafts artists painters but also uh sound artists also martial artists fitness gurus you know production uh dance artists x game artists everybody out there that is beautifying their community and bringing their community together through art is what flow and tell embodies i know you guys remember doing show and tell as early as 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 kindergarten uh where you bring something into school into the class and you tell about it and it's something from your life and basically you're showing you know your peers a little bit of something about your life so with flow and tell the whole flow it comes from hip-hop culture um it comes from sort of like a urban youth movement and so we we apply that to the show and tell concept and we come up with flow and tell which is everything artistic that is meant to bring the community together uh in a sharing basis so that's what we're all about on this show and we are happy to have the current 
16 bar rap competition champion of Flow and Tell, our seminal biannual event, Mr. Joaquin Daniels. Like, yep, 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 yep. What's happening, people? How y'all feeling tonight? Hey, man, we we, we doing real good. Uh, we happy to have you here. And um, just to start off, you know, when we when we show and tell and we flow and tell and we, we share things with one another, a big part of what we're interested in is culture uh, in different places. Because we're right here in Los Angeles, the cultural epicenter. But it's things going on all over the world and all over the city. Yeah. We're in a city, a metropolitan area where it's 19 million people. So right now, I want to start with where you're from, the 562. Yep. And uh, Whittier, California. And yeah. basically, just take us into Whittier, California, when you came up as a young lad first getting into music oh man uh whittier was an area that had a lot of punk rock and a lot of hip-hop underground hip-hop a lot of graffiti artists um it was really cool how you can go to this area called uptown which is basically like their civic center main street and uh you would see punk rockers hanging out with hip-hop heads at these record shops and doing shows and stuff um so i mean there was levels and there was uh mean street which was basically like a like an online newspaper you know or not a newspaper they didn't even have online stuff at that time but and they showcased a lot of stuff out of these record shops and man you would see someone like the visionaries or abstract roots rock something like that and that's where you really get exposed to live music and then the record shops were good at having a lot of vinyl so that's what i got into first and i was just digging and digging what, what age would you say that uh, you were you started getting attracted to the hip hop genre. Uh, early, my uncle actually was the one who put me on it. He bought me a record player and gave me two records. One was a Sugar Hill Gang record, you know, and the other one was a uh, Miami Vice soundtrack, which had a Grandmaster <laughs> Flash single yeah. on it. So Miami those, Vice. <laughs> yeah. Are we talking? Are we talking the show Miami Vice? Yeah, or Miami the movie? Vice, the soundtrack, the, wow. the TV show. So it had like you know. So yeah. I used to bump that until it melted because I was bumping it in the sun or something yeah. like that. But yeah, I, I, my uncle had a record collection and he gave me stuff here and there. And mm -hmm. That's kind of how I got first introduced into hip hop, but right. also records. Yeah, you know. Okay, so uh, so your uncle was was he emceeing or was he just a fan? Or? Nah, he was like just a record collector. Yeah, he liked more like uh, classic rock. Yeah. and jazz and stuff like that. So he so, had a passion for vinyl. It was yeah, just he thing. just liked vinyl. He was an old school. It's like know? we were talking about like there there is uh like a uh, some kind of uh. Like something, something to like a music collector, like a vinyl collector. They appreciate yeah. not only the songs that are on the vinyl, but I think the ownership of vinyl itself. Like it's yeah. a very cool thing to have your own vinyl collection. Yeah, you know because saying? you would learn a lot about somebody's collection yeah. and what they had and what they kept. Yeah. Excuse me. Yeah. You would have a lot of people who would... Um, have records that would be out so everybody can see them, right? Right. And, and then you'd have yeah. your secret stash in the back, which is like, nah, this is the stuff I would only play in front of my friends to let them know I have it. Cause right. You don't know either someone's either going to try to jack you or whatever, but it was just always a thing to always keep your vinyl. And, and I don't think th they hit it because you know? they were embarrassed of them. I think they hit it 
because of the opposite they're very proud to have them and it was almost like oh no this is exclusively mine yeah and i didn't really you know? get it till i started collecting yeah. and really digging yeah. because you would find these records that you would think nobody has and then you would have it and then you'd bust it out on somebody who kind of knew what they were what they were talking about right right and that's where the fun came out yeah because you'd be getting like all geeked out about records and you'd be like yo check this out and yeah they'd be like no you got this and yeah. you, sh you should have this whole little shelf in the back with all your special records yeah you know? yeah so i mean yeah just collecting records itself was the first passion that i had do you remember your the first one you bought the first record i bought yeah. it was a crondon single ha, i want to say black shit. gold or something no like way. that yeah yeah i <laughs> bought it at this up. like trd shop which was like yeah. they had hip-hop and like a lot of like jungle and trance and stuff but yeah. he had got that and he didn't know what it was right and i was first starting to buy vinyl at that time uh -huh. so i was trying to save money and i was just trying to dig and stuff and this spot gave me this crondon single for like i want to say like for like four bucks three bucks or right. something. so then it was like oh dope and i took that home and played with it yeah and and then, uh, and then just from there, I was like immediately going to Melrose. Yeah. And I take the bus, like four buses to Melrose, and I started going back and forth to, you know, Beats Nonstop, and you know, when uh, what was it? Damn, all the different record shops that were up there. Aaron's Records. Well, I'm talking like Fat Beats. Like Fat Beats when it when it was in the first spot before it moved upstairs. Okay. That's when it was really dope. I I thought when it was off of Vermont by the Fat Burger was mm -hmm. when. You would go in there and see like somebody cutting it up or somebody filming something or somebody rapping and that spot was so small that like yeah. you know right so it was like real intimate and then when it moved upstairs it kind of got like it, everybody knew it was cool so you had people just hanging out in there like it was a starbucks yeah, you know what i mean no doubt. and that was cool but i really liked going in there and seeing like Hubert doing like a uh, like an instrumental scratch break just for like them right there right like, you right, know it's yeah. pretty cool just seeing all i that actually the, uh dude my going to through music shops like i used to go to, like tower records a lot and i used to go to yeah. like sam goody and all this stuff right yeah pre-amoeba yeah yeah, sure. I, yeah i used to i i ran into sage francis at a tower records one time yeah <laughs> yep. and to me it was like I think personal journals had just been released. Yeah. And he was in California for whatever reason. And I ran into Sage Francis. Sage Francis was coming out of Tower Records. Yeah. As I was going in. Yeah. Or vice versa. Yeah. And I remember seeing him. I'm thinking, what? Oh, shit. Is that Sage Francis just standing yeah, here? Yeah. And I went Sage. up to him, right? Yeah. And I told this story to Sage when I met him. I'm like, dude, you know what you said to me when I walked by? Yeah. Like, he recognized that I recognized him, right? <laughs> so I wa I'm walking up to him and he goes, yes. But I got to use the restroom. And he walks yeah. past me like, yes, it's me. Yeah. And I, I'm with you. Just let me go take a piss real quick. I'll be yeah, right out. Yeah, yeah. That kind of thing. And to me, it was like, dude, like the the, the music stores were uh, I was definitely the record the record shops were a place where you do you know, memories as a kid. You don't realize we're happening. Yeah. And then now you miss them, even though you yeah. might not have. Dude, I, I have vivid memories of going in like just seeing like shells vinyls you know what yeah I'm saying? and that and that's the record stores you know yeah. i'm, I'm talking the, the, a lot of the stuff that i got into because i wanted to save money <laughs> you know was i would hit up a lot of people who would do um kind of like open lot sales mm. garage you know um, yeah. Yeah, if yeah. it was like uh, somebody had a rental like of a storage and then they would auction it off you know so i would find people that would have like a say a store they opened in our a local area yeah and they had bought like 15 20 racks of a vinyl 
that they bought from somebody else and they didn't even know what it was. So you 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 bought uh when did you start DJing? When, when DJing would probably be about uh I'd say 98 97 is when I first started learning how to DJ and actually promoting for clubs and trying to get into clubs and get my spots and stuff like right, that. Right. Yeah, yeah. And uh wait, do we still DJ? Was that just a thing of the past or, or what's going on with that? No, I still DJ. I still love DJ and I still vi- do uh, vinyl spinning pretty much only. Yeah. I don't really mess with the Serato too much, yeah. although I'm trying to learn it. But Are we a show DJ or more like for personal use only? Uh, I have my own show that I put on, yeah. but uh, most of it's just still the collection part of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just still collecting the records and having them and I'll spin a vinyl set of all the classic breaks that I have, you know, and... That's kind of just like more of just like a show off kind of. So thing. now it's just more for the enjoyment of it. Yeah, I still love it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hey, so we started DJ in '98, right? Yeah. When did we pick up the mic as an MC? When that uh, I want to say 2004, 2006 was when I really thought about doing it um, at a grander scale. Yeah, I was always hanging around people and then listening to rap. So it's like you're constantly messing around, like learning other people's raps. I think one of the first raps I learned was probably like a grandmaster flash rap or something like that and it's like you know you just you just learn their raps and then you're doing your own trying to mess around and in high school we had a lot of mcs so we were always trying to go off each other and battle each other and stuff and that was all for fun and i never thought about it just freestyling with people that i would have that talent already going later and getting inspired into wanting to mc i actually lived with a friend of mine my homie mosaic he uh i lived with him for a while and it was about four and a half years worth of just me and him experiencing life together with uh, two other dudes in this house and we were the two mcs and they would make us rap all the time so we were constantly rapping and freestyling for i mean hate to sound weird but like orange county white people Mm -hmm. like you know we were freestyling for them like at the like flick of a switch all the time because they'd get drunk and come home all drunk and be like dude rapping for me so you'd be like all right cool and you'd start rapping for them and it was cool they'd pack us bowls and shit so it was dope that's what's up that's what's up (laughs) yeah so now we've we we did the djing and we're still Mm -hmm. we still do that it's more of a of a personal hobby for you at this point right? yeah it's for the love because i know how to do it and it's always how you can show somebody an extension of yourself like i don't just rap I could do this. Right. You know? So what about MCing? How do you perceive that? What is that in your life? That pretty much has been the main focus since about 2004, 2005. I felt like I had more to express than DJing other people's music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So that was kind of like where I started delving into my own brain, like, oh, what can I write now? You know? And going from just always freestyling and having fun to like actually trying to write something in a song. And my homie Mosaic, the guy I was living with, he was in groups and he was always rapping and part of hip hop a lot before I was. So he was like, yeah, you should try it. And then I took a class at Santa Ana College and it was just a writing class. And they had us all write like something at the beginning. And I wrote something like eight or nine bars, maybe. And they were like, ah, you probably shouldn't be here because it was like they felt like it was dope. So I was like, all right, cool. Oh, you were too advanced for the for the class? I guess so for like the intermediate <laughs> beginner like writing class. They were like, oh, no, you got a talent. And I was like, dope. Yeah. So I just did that class and that inspired me to keep going with it and going with it. And then fortunately for me, one day I was at a casino playing cards and I ran into uh, uh, a rap icon, you know, Abstract Rude. <laughs> oh, look at that. And that was kind of how yeah. that friendship started, you know? Yeah. Just playing cards and having fun. And What were you playing? 
Hold them. Hold them. How are you doing? Forty dollar table. Were you, were you no winning? limit, baby. Yeah, we played no limit. Hold them. Were you winning? Were you, did you, uh, did I you did pretty out? good. You I, did pretty good. I, yeah, yeah. I got okay. a, I got a good game, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so we we became friends off of that. I started going to his house and playing at his Sanho nights, which was like a Monday night that yeah. him and Kenny Siegel, mm-hmm. AC alone. It was like everybody who's anybody that in rap would probably drop by there at one point of the night. Yeah. So it was kind of cool just to be there playing cards. Yeah. Even if you lost, because you'd eventually see somebody. You like, just want to be that you know? kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, like I remember taking a pot off of AC alone, and that was like the coolest thing because I was like, ah, like you know, like it was pretty dope. <laughs> like, like I was telling you, like just being involved in the scene and you know, from having wake the flock up, it's opened so many doors. I've gotten to meet so many of my like yeah. personal heroes that that it's just an amazing thing when I. Went to Tumek's house. Like his house yeah. is like a hip hop museum. Yeah, Tumek is a G. You know, yeah. you been, you been, have you been to his house? I've been to his house, but he's really. Cool yeah, I mean, cat. he's yeah. a G. He's a yeah, G for sure, yeah. right? But uh, you walk into his house and there's like old posters of him, like as a teenager, right? <laughs> and then you can see like Evidence and Alchemist. Oh yeah, young like young cats. Oh, yeah. Like they're like, gotta be like twenty. Yeah, just like this. Oh, he has this picture where they're like, like yeah. at a park, and it's just like, dude, you can just count out the legends. Oh, that yeah. are just in this poster, There was right? an epic show called Midnight Sun where Fellowship yeah. kind of headlined it, I think, right? Do you remember Midnight Sun? Midnight Sun. Midnight Sun. It was a, huge, it was a huge show at the time, and Big Fellowship grave. was like the one who did it, and everybody was anybody was on that. You're talking two mechs, living yeah. legends, like everybody was on that. It was an epic night, but epic. that's the hip-hop that we grew up on and listening to everybody from De La Soul to Abstract Rude and, you know. So before we get too far... You know, into the MCN, um, I want to talk about the transition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, like with anything else, we celebrate the journey yes. that an artist makes. Yes. You know, the journey. And so I know that you used to DJ at the Root Down. Yep. Yeah. Um, the, the world, the, the, the famed Root Down. Yes. That, uh, started at, well, it emerged when you were DJing there at the Little Temple, right? On Santa Monica no, and Virgil. No, it was at the GABA when I first started uh, going Right. There. Okay, it was yeah. at the GABA first. Yeah, the root yeah. Down started Off at Mel the Rose. GABA. Off of Melrose. Much respect to that kid, Miles. Uh, DJ Wolf. Uh, rest in peace, DJ Dust. Yep, yep. DJ Dust. And, you know, like, they started out actually as the breaks. Yes, yeah. They started out as yep. the breaks. Do you remember that old club? They, they I don't, were re- at I don't remember the club because I started going to the GABA first. Okay. And I remember them telling me that story like they had just moved almost like right. within that year. It was now, crazy, yeah. they they did a certain amount of nights and Haiku d'Etat was their first night where they actually paid an outside yeah. act yeah. to play. No, it was near, a small like cafe kind of thing. It was thing, a little right? cafe. Yeah, it was yeah. some kind of cafe. I want to say Earl's Grill or something yeah. weird like that. <laughs> wow. Not no, not Earl's Grill. That's the that's the famous hot dog spot on on Crenshaw. <laughs> but it was some kind of cafe. It was downtown. Yeah. Anyways, we played it. Mirror One brought the famous Fellowship piece he did that later became the Shaka Doom uh, LP cover, and it was off the hook. And pretty much they were off and running after that of having kind of like some kind of established rapper act, and then they eventually moved to the Gaba. And they were rolling every Thursday. You could count on the root down for that hip hop soul diaspora. Oh man, it was really just like a, it was an abundance of everything that you probably hadn't heard. 
And I'm talking everything from like cumbia to reggae. You know what I mean? From J.A. to L.A. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like Dusk or Miles or any of those. They play soul music. They play hip hop music. They play funk music. They play anything from like Sade to like J. Rue in the same mix. Damn. And they were just really good at holding down the night doing that. Almost like a, it was like a root down of cultural like music. They were kind of entertaining you but teaching you the roots of music. And, you know, Dusk, that was the homie that kind of taught me. Uh, when I first got involved was basically I was I wasn't of age yet, you know? Yeah. And I had a lot of weed. So <laughs> I used to basically barter with the doorman, this oh. dude Arturo, and uh he used to let me in. Yeah. So then hanging out inside there, you know, eventually I started going every Thursday and then uh, I wanted to DJ because I was watching them and I was practicing at home and I was like, man, I want to get up on that stage. So I go up there and Miles was kind of like, you know, Miles is a, is a real strong cat. So he's kind of hard to break down at first, you know, but Dusk was really like very loving to everybody and anybody, especially the younger kids wanting to embrace hip hop and get better. So he was like, if you stand next to me right here every Thursday, I will show you how to DJ. Mm. Like, so it was kind of like a way where I would have to be there every night, you know? And then on top of that, I would watch him and how he did it. And I mean, he was a good technician between using the microphone, embracing the crowd. Oh, yes. Being a person who like almost like ran he a radio, a radio set like you would hear a, the Mickey Ficky mix or something. Right. He was really good at going in and out of using the voice, educating you. Yo, it's it's Biggie Small's birthday. And then he would. And this song is by this person and blah, blah, blah. Mm. This was put out at this time. And he would have such great timing when it came in between the songs. Right. So people just embraced that and they loved it. You know, yeah, no the doubt. women loved it because he would play the right song at the right moment. Mm. You know what I mean? Uh, for, for women, you know? Yeah. And, and so then, th here's what I remember. Uh, the breaks as a band, the breakestra. Yep. They started getting some fame. They started touring all over nationally, internationally. And then Dusk, who used to hold down the side room, peace be upon him, moved over into the main room where he was good enough to rock the main room. Yep. So then Joaquin, who by who at that time went by D Goots. Yeah. D I went by DJ Irie for a little bit, and that was this dude from Florida that was named DJ Irie, and he was kind of bigger than me, so I was like, ah, whatever. When I first met you, you but were kind of using I was just D Goots. Yeah, because I didn't know what to call myself, really. Yeah. I was horrible with names. <laughs> he was using it like but, uh, a, a yeah a so i was spinning the side room a couple name. times and this was right before like irvin got there and dj jedi and even dj expo i remember Slowpoke got in the mix why it white case mix. was always a perfect fixture there you know yeah so i started spinning the side room and dusk was still around so he would see me and he, i remember one time i played uh that song i'm curious curious george you remember that mm -hmm. i played that and he would just went nuts. He's like, man, I've heard that song in a minute. Like, thank you for playing that. Yeah. And it's just those epic moments where I moved up from the side room to playing the big room. And then the first time I played the big room, I got to slip rocket in my set and everyone went nuts. And yeah. that was like my moment of like really feeling like, like, damn, I was able to like pull it off. You right. Know? So that was really an epic moment, man. Just spinning with those guys and learning everything and. I got to be on stage with Rhythmatic, Grandmaster Kaz, you know what I mean? Just Damn. epic dudes. And yeah, no doubt. it all stemmed from promoting, actually, not just wanting to DJ because they wanted me to prove myself. So they made me promote for them. Mm -hmm. So I was passing out flyers driving all over Orange County, L.A. for months, for years, just so I can be there at the root down and them embrace me to let me get up there and do my thing, you know? Mm -hmm. so. 
And oh. now here's the thing. So you go from there to, you know, get, familiarizing yourself with a lot of records, a lot of OG samples, mm-hmm. a lot of soul stuff. Yep. Because they had a big focus on that. And then when you finally got to meet DJ Fat Jack, explain a little bit about how you guys' relationship evolved and how that springboarded you into uh, everything you were doing as an MC. Yeah, yeah. I'll go a little bit further back just only because it's a mentality thing because I guess people wouldn't understand the reason why I did it. But prior to uh, meeting Fat Jack... At first, I was just hanging out with Ab, and we, were, you know, I really wasn't accessible to Fat Jack at the moment, you know. But um, through that process, I had about twenty-five, twenty-six crates of records. Mm-hmm. Okay, I had spent years building that, and uh, I had to move at one point in time, so I had forced myself to put them all into a storage. Right. And some tweaker dude like saw me putting them away, jacked them all. Oh, you know what I mean? So yeah. like. I was heartbroken, you know, and it basically took like three, five days for them to finally catch up with the dude. And he had got rid of half of it, you know, so they had to trace it all down. They got it all back. And I got my whole thing back, except like maybe one crate that they couldn't find or Uh something, you know. Yeah. But I got all my crates back. Yeah. And the cool thing was I was relieved at all that. But then it was almost like somebody being with your girl like you know what i mean like someone else touching your vinyl and having your collection and that dust is on their fingers like i don't know that's just me very much someone else fingered yeah like someone else was like this dude basically like tweaked out and like ran him up with my stuff you know yeah so when i got it back it was almost like kind of like you cheap whore like i don't want you anymore (laughs) like you know like like you're nothing to me you know yeah so i was a dick and i basically just put it away you know so then from that, after putting it away, I uh, ran into Fat Jack one time, basically, by getting a hold of him through, uh, I think it was either MySpace at the time, probably. And I kind of went into went into that knowing, like, who yeah. he knew and who it was. Yeah. So, so I basically approached fat jack like yo man i really appreciate what you do for hip-hop and all that and you know working with ab as long as i have i kind of want to work with you now and he's like okay you think you got it like okay cool come to my crib so i came to his crib we messed around with some beats here and there he heard me rap and he was like all right all right and then he wanted to talk numbers which i hadn't really done too many times with people at that time especially with rap as far as talking about business working with you know stuff like that so he asked for a number. I kind of was like not really understanding at the time. I was like, that's a lot of money, you know? So I went back and forth about it, and I really thought about it. And I said, if I really want to take this this stuff seriously, you know, mm-hmm. then, I'm going to, then I'm going to put it all on the line. Yeah. And I decided to basically give him about 18, 19 crates. And I kept three or four to myself right. just to, for my own personal. How many would you say you had? I had about 25, 28 crates. And then per, I, how many per crate? Uh, there's about, you, in a normal crate, you can fit about 110 records. Maybe, Dude. Un, if you, if, depending if they're LPs or doubles and all that stuff too. If it's doubles, you're talking like 80 records, now, maybe 90 now, records. Now, now, this is just me ignorant, mm-hmm. ignorant question, but crates, were they were they built for vinyl or were they just no, happen to no, be plastic, milk crates, right? Plastic milk crates, your normal plastic milk uh, crates. But that's your standard DJ that's what we used to grab from the back of like a 
of like a um like a Coles or something, which would basically be a at the time King Coles was a uh, supermarket. Right, but yeah. I mean, but uh, that's that's ba- like any DJ has crates, right? Any vinyl DJ, and, that, and yeah. but so when you're talking crates, you're talking milk crates. Do not, yeah, actual not, milk crates. There's no actual like equipment for meant to hold 25 actual vinyls, right? No, no. There's, I mean, no, there never really was. Right. There so now really you're was. talking. You have when you say crate, a real DJ is talking about a classic plastic milk crate usually has the uh <laughs> it might have a, a metal band around the top you right, know right but classic it'll say save on on milk the side dairy or, or, something. or something usually it was a milk crate yeah, yeah milk something so yeah. like yeah and it was cool because it had enough gap where you could put headphones or a mixer yeah from from the top to the you know the 12 inches yep, and there'd yep. be another four or five inches that you could fit stuff in yeah and then you had a handle so yeah. you could hold it yeah and then it was plastic so it kept them all tight you Dude. know so 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 out of God's uh, God's infinite wisdom, he made four four two gallon bottles of milk. Yeah, the exact yeah. same size as. Yeah, I think it's six. It's six. <laughs> is it bottles. Six? It's six? Whoa, that's a lot, yeah, dude. Six bottles of, of milk is one crate. Yeah, look yeah, at that. Yeah, see what I'm saying? Yeah, it all comes full circle. Yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> right? It's no, crazy. no. So, um, let me ask you something before we get into the next one. F- hanging out with these legends and being around there in that era and stuff. What did you learn? What would you say was the one thing that you walked out of there knowing? Oh. I mean, I know, th- I know that's a vast question because yeah. it's unlimited answers. Yeah. But what would you say was, what did you take away from there the most that you kind of remember or, or apply to your life the most? Um, artistically, business-wise, or personally? Tell me. Yeah? Okay. So artistically, I would have to say being able to put everything out there mm-hmm. and on the line and risk it and be willing to deal with the outcome right. no matter what it is mm. that's something that you'll see the best artists be able to do because being broke or not having a car not having a job or anything like that doesn't phase an artist because they know that the most important thing is what they're creating not what they're holding on to or not what they have mm. and you know someone like a great like say like a, a micah or rakim those guys at one point in time they had to say f everything it doesn't matter this rap me is more important and they stand up for that too right and if you were to challenge say someone who really cares about their art and you see them get really passionate about it that's what it takes to be a great artist mm-hmm. to stand up in front of people saying you're whack or you don't know what you're talking about or you're not that good or you're too fat you're white <laughs> like you know whatever it is yeah, you know yeah. you have to be willing to absorb that and then reflect it back and come stronger yeah which is something that you know project bloat and the good life was something that really cultivated probably better than any other any other community of musicians you know? They cultivated the fact that despite whether you're different, right, then you're yeah. average. Look, then you're because it didn't matter what person, you look like. It was what you yeah. sounded like and what you brought and yeah. what you contributed, right? Yeah. It's what I tell Abs and, 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 and everyone when I really get into it. I tell them the beauty of hip hop is that there is no people want to say that it belongs to a certain uh, race or a certain type or a certain economical blah yeah. blah blah. When ultimately, dude. In, in a room of real hip hop heads, right? Yeah. The only thing MCs really care about is whether you can spit or not. Yeah, no, yeah. Dude, and the if little it's originality, the little small Asian kid yeah. that can spit as as much as the tall black guy, 
It does do once yeah. they, they get, once their bars are equal, they're equal now. Yeah. You know, yeah. in, in in the realm of MCs, you know. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure yeah. it's the same thing with DJ. It doesn't matter what so if you can scratch, dude, if you can spin, if you can, yeah. you know, you know, if you can peace out as much as anyone can, you know, with the dude, it's all on your skill. Yeah, exactly like what you said. It's like in order to be a good DJ, right? Knowing your records and knowing how to mix like a normal crowd like a house party. Or like just a normal thing, like you know, that just to be able to keep a tempo and keep the vibe smooth and just go from record to record. Maybe if you're using the mic or not, but that's the thing that most people will judge uh, a DJ by instantly. It's yeah. like your music knowledge and then how how fluid are you? Right. You know what I mean? Right. It's the same thing with rapping. You know, if you're gonna be a freestyler, you have to be on it all the time and doing it. Right. You're, if you want to be a battler, you have to be battling all the time. Right. And you might not be. You might sacrifice and you might not be as good as a uh, a writer because you can't do songs structured maybe as good as you can battle because your mentality is like that. Right. I mean, you can't tell a UFC fighter to just go box, go work at like Burger King and, and not like get mad, right. like not get fed up with somebody or right. angry with somebody. It's just it's your natural mentality that right. you have to gain. And it is it is a beautiful thing that the people are like, especially when it comes to art, right? When yeah. it's like artist. Not not so much in the corporate area because in the corporate a lot of people get stuck in jobs and they're so yeah, comfortable, right? Yeah. But like an artist that is defined and even like a boxer would be like an artist, right? Because they have to work at it, they yep. have to perfect it, they have to really think about the way yeah. it's done. So um like a boxer that um that you know, someone that professionally boxes for a living, yeah. right? They were meant to do that. Yeah. And anything else they're doing goes against what they were meant to do. That's why they're unhappy. That's why they're, you know, they're depressed. They're, yeah. they're not, they're not, they can go get a job at an office and they'll suck at it, dude. Yeah. That's just not where they're meant to be, where yeah. they want to be at. Yeah. So like a DJ, you know, uh, it's the same thing. You know, you, you might have, you hold the DJ down. So you're so happy when you're behind the tables. Yeah. But when you're behind a desk at work, you just don't, you're not any good at it. It's not what yeah. you're, you're meant to yeah, be. Yeah. Being an artist isn't, necessarily fun all the time it's what i tell people it's like and <laughs> it's, it's also not, not necessarily it takes a lot of concentration takes a lot of mm-hmm. uh inner inner strength yeah because you have to be willing to do something like like shave your head and leave a mohawk and nobody knows why and nobody expects and like, you it. might not even know why yeah but you want to do it it's, it's what it's I, something with your art screen it's what i tell people is like it's like when they go uh, oh you you know you're not home enough and this and that it's like well i don't have a choice yeah and they're like well yeah you're choosing to go you're like Dude, I really don't have a choice to go and express myself artistically. Like, yeah. if I didn't do that, I would be like the unhappiest person in the world, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and exactly. So artists really don't have a choice whether they're gonna be. Dude, in some artists, you can see resent their their talent. Yeah. Resent like someone like Van Gogh or someone where they're just so tortured by the fact that all they see is paintings and colors and all that stuff. You know. Yeah. Salvador Dali forever was just like. Yeah. I don't want to be. I don't want to have this this on my brain, but. Your soul keeps claiming for you to go express yourself artistically, express yeah. yourself, and it'll cost you relationships, yeah. jobs, mm-hmm. and you're like you're absolutely yeah. right. It's not always fun. Yeah, you know. Yeah, just being in music, it's weird because the way I listen to it now, the way I listen to rappers rap, the way I listen to DJ spin, all those things, right? I listen to it differently probably than most people. Right. So when that happens, a lot of people don't understand it because I go completely silent. Yeah. Because I'm looking for things maybe that nobody's look at, looking at. Right. You know? Yeah. When somebody's rapping, I'm listening for the patterns or the chops that they have along with the bars because it makes sense to have bars, but it also makes sense to have style, too. Absolutely. Because how do you 
how do you separate uh, really dope MCs when they're all dope? Well, somebody has to be able to do something stylistically that's going to change everything. Right. You know what I mean? So, and 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 that only comes with repetition. So once you practice and yeah. and, and, and polish it, your style will come out. Yeah. Your style will develop itself. And then yeah. from you being comfortable with that style, that's the style you'll stick with the most. Yeah. And you'll be really good at that kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of like an atmosphere, you know, like mm-hmm. he started really young. His style, it didn't really change. It just matured. Yeah. And the way yeah. he thinks matured because he was able to home in on it very early. Yeah. If you listen to like headshots or something like that. Yeah. To now it's like a new atmosphere. You, you can see it. You're like, okay, here's it. That's why I love following Slug Dog. You can see his maturity as a man just grow yeah, with yeah. His, with every album that he drops. Oh, yeah. I mean, you I, know? the stuff he's saying on Headshots and the songs that he's doing, he couldn't do now because he knows that he's grown way past that. <laughs> like, you know. But, but he, <laughs> and it is, is, he's, to me, like, the number one example I go to when you see somebody truly grow and express themselves with their art from headshots to like lucy ford to like these songs where you can see him like oh i'm fucking girls i'm doing all this thing yeah. and then oh i love my girl and then oh i broke up with my girl da, da, da. oh now yeah. i have a kid you know and, and it's developing this you all he did which is write his emotions out and w- was smart enough and had enough uh drive to put it behind a mic and just you can, this man grew up in front of us you yeah. can see and that's the difference between the artists that we consider whack and the artists that we consider tight is right. because we can tell. Yeah. Somebody who's listened to music long enough and understands what good music is just by hearing it, no matter what genre it is, right. you know? So, like, those people can tell, like, right off the bat. Like, okay, this person really doesn't care about what he's saying. Maybe he just wants to be famous. Maybe he just wants to make money. Right. Maybe he's just doing this because he thinks that's the only way he's going to be accepted or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And people are, dude, people are smart. So, when they'll pick up on that, on that kind of stuff. And then those are the artists that, that, that uh, you can hear them, so don't really want to rap that song. They don't really yeah, want to do it. It's like, dude, yeah. you, you can't tell me you walked out of the booth saying, oh, that was dope. Yeah. Like, you did not walk out thinking that, dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. there's, so what's the other reason? Money or whatever else. It yeah, comes down yeah, yeah. Uh, it's about being, being honest with yourself artistically and finding yourself artistically yeah. and, and polishing that, developing that, right? Yeah. I mean, even all the rappers that are out now, you know, you can see everyone's at a certain level everyone's really good some people are getting better some people are just nurturing their skills yeah but when you see someone as an artist it's like they carry a certain like aura with them yep no matter where they're at in within their growth yeah do you know what i mean they you carry know it with something's them. gonna happen with this kid yeah they're... yeah even if they're not great it's like okay they have that part yeah and now they just need to work on the rest of it yeah, and, and it's just know? the development of yeah. your of your skills Tell me about your tours, because you've d- done tours with Flow and Tell, right? Yeah, Flow and Tell. I've done tours for my my first album, the one I did with Fat Jack, the Endora uh-huh. Project. Yeah. Um, I pretty much uh, did a tour for that, and then a lot of the Flow and Tell stuff. You know, so yeah. how did that happen? How did you get involved in like your first initial show with them? Well, a lot of it has to do with Ab, of course. Yeah, uh, Abstract Root is the one who started putting the ideas in my head that hey, if you want to take this seriously. 
you should roll with me mm-hmm. because I know kind of what I'm doing and this and that. And I already knew who he was. So it wasn't like I had to be like, oh, verify it, you know? Right. So when he said that, I was instantly like, kind of like, well, damn, okay. Like, it's not like he's saying, I'm going to take you under my wing. He's saying, let's see if you think you're as good as you think you are. And if you don't like it, you can back out and we're still homies and it's all good. Right. If you want to go forward, then keep going. And then I'll help you like kind of understand where you should be going, not really teach you how to rap. It wasn't like he needed to teach me bars or teach me anything. It was more like I want to teach you how to be a better artist and a better cultivator of your brand. You so know? he trusted that you already came with those skills. Um, He listened to me and knew I could make progress. Yes. But he made it a point that he wasn't going to teach me anything about rapping yeah. because if he did that, people would always refer back to him whenever they thought I was good. They'd be like, oh, he wrote your bars, or he taught you that pattern, or he taught you how to do that. And I didn't want that myself. And at the same time, uh, it wouldn't be fair because, like, no one did that for Ab. Mm-mm. You know what I'm saying? So it, 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 it's like a lot of, like, like, comedians do the same thing. Like, I'll teach you what it's like on the road and the stuff. Yeah. I'm not going to write your jokes for you. It's, it's basically a ride-along with a, with a cop that goes through the streets yeah, it's like it's like a like rookie the real cop. Streets. It's like the cop like that not, the rookie know? cop went through yeah. went to training, yeah. has a gun, has yeah. a smart, obviously made it to yeah. being a cop, and there's no question that he's a cop. Yeah. Now he's there with the veteran cop who's teaching him yeah. the streets and how to really apply it in the real life. I could say that everything kind of happens like the first forty five minutes of that movie training day was a lot like how me and Ab started in music. <laughs> he made I you mean, smoke PCP yeah, out of a pipe. Well, not PCP, but it was kind of like it was something. It was more like kind of like you want to do this, like yeah. you really want to. Are do you this? sure? Like you really like? Do you understand who I am and what I do? And yeah. I'm like, yeah. And he goes, if you understand, if you're hanging with me and you're trying to do this, yeah. like you're gonna get a lot of shit. Yeah. I'm like, okay. And he's like, okay, <laughs> let's do it then. <laughs> like it was more like I signed the I signed the waiver, you know. Yeah, no so. Doubt, no doubt. You just got to go with it. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, can, do you remember your first show with him? My first show? Yeah, with him. Oh, or by yourself. Let's give me that. Give me that. Your first time you're up there as an MC, not a DJ. Okay. As an MC. First show, I started doing a lot of stuff for Urban Underground first. Okay. Yeah, Urban Underground was the one, like, Gigi and Leviathan were the ones who were like, oh, you roll with Ab? Dope. Like, if you ever want to do something with us, let us know. Yeah. And they were the first ones kind of hit me back. Right. Like, you know, other promoters or whatever i wasn't really trying to mess with them because they were just like who the fuck are you right and you can't go just throwing around uh abstract rooms a name you know what i mean yeah, and i'm like all right cool whatever so yeah. i was already working on my own personal project uh before i even um told ab that i was even a rapper so i was doing a lot of the urban underground stuff you know keeping it keeping it kind of local i guess that's yeah. what it would be considered you know because i always went there and those were the first shows and then they moved to they had an orange county residency at one time uh-huh. and i started doing helping them out with that one too right. so i did a lot of shows there because i worked you know like in midway between that so those shows were crazy i mean <laughs> one of the funniest stories i have i guess in doing that early time was ab did a show with atu right and it was for that show in Orange County. What was that? The Tiki Room, right? Oh, yeah. That's a good right? spot. That's a good spot. So that place has a good sound system. It's a yeah, great spot, whatever. Spot. And um, and he did an ATU show, and this was one of the first times that we were doing a song together. Right. He's like, hey, do this song that me and you had worked on, okay? Uh-huh. And I'm like, okay, okay. <laughs> and uh, 
I was working on some projects and I was running into a lot of people. And at the time, Gal Rock from uh, from Mass Men, yeah. you know, uh, LSD. I mean, the cloaks, man. E times two. E times two. Whittier representative, you know. Uh, he was there that night and he was just getting to know me. So he was kind of like giving me the MC shit, like the the project blow kind of like, oh, fuck, we'll see what you're about. Like, you <laughs> know, like, we'll see, you know, <laughs> we'll see, you know. So so he's staring out there looking at me and I'm getting nervous as fuck. And I, I think very, very few people that don't rap probably don't get this. But when you get nervous and you're about to go on stage for yeah. your first couple of times or when it's something really important your tongue starts to like like itch and feel all like dry and prickly yeah. and yeah. it's such a weird feeling so yeah. you're like over here like oh what the fuck like is this gonna fuck up my shit so you start tripping you know and i remember i'm like over here like biting on my tongue like trying to see if i can feel it or whatever i don't know what i was doing and then i look over and i see gal just staring at me and he starts laughing like <laughs> he starts like he can tell like, like he can nervous, tell like yeah. this was nervous yeah. like you know yeah. and then as i'm doing that i see him and then Ab just goes, yo, yo, why can't you get up here? And then the song drops, and I'm just like, oh, and I just get up on stage. And I was already confident with the song and everything, but it was just a trip because I was so, like, spaced out. Like, just, like, damn, like, talking to myself right before I went on, basically yeah. saying, like, this is what you wanted. This is what you always wanted to do. This yeah. is what this is what you came for. Like, don't go fuck it for up. it. Like, Time to step I don't up. really think I don't tell myself don't fuck it up. I just basically pump myself up like a like a like a Ray Lewis. Like I don't expect to lose. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I, mean, I never you go give in yourself there. the Ray Lewis speech in the yeah, mirror. Like I can yeah. tell somebody else, like, oh, maybe if I lose, but that's only for me to like give them the collusion in their head. That they might that you, <laughs> like that I that might that I might be nervous, you know. <laughs> Other than that, yeah. I always go in there assuming I'm gonna win because I know I wouldn't put myself out there if I didn't want to win. Right. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, no like this one coming up, like there's a lot of heavy hitters and I'm going in there to win. I'm right. not, I'm not expecting anything less from myself. Like, you know, right. and this is your first time you've won. Uh, no, I won number seven. I went to the finals in number eight and lost to uh beyond from acid rain. And then number nine, I beat him in the third round and then took the crown back for nine. Nice. So it was like one of those kind of like redemption song, you know? Yeah. <laughs> now here's what I want to ask. <laughs> take us, take us into, I mean, because you, you tried to, uh, I was just away for a second tending to my daughter, my beautiful daughter, Aaliyah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you guys talked about you previously entering the, the flow and tell SBRCs. Yeah. I had gotten to a lot of the, uh, a lot of the ones that were just kind of like the testers, you know, where mm -hmm. we were just starting to like get it off the ground. Like I was in the very first one and I lost in like probably the first round. I okay. think maybe, maybe even not even that. Right. The very first one I got into was a freeway to flow and tell the very first one. Um, it was in Vegas. Yeah. And I think I lost in the first or second round or something mm -hmm. like that. So it just, it teaches you a lot every time because you, yeah, the first were, couple of times, the first couple of times I went in there thinking like, well, I already have verses already set aside. So I'm going to just spit something that people think are tight. Yeah. And then a couple of times I thought, well, I'm just going to freestyle it, you know, and you'll get served. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? I just, you learn that every time you go up there and then somebody like say the topics, like say Gatorade and you're over here talking about just sports drinks. And then the dude starts talking about the different colors and the icy golds and stuff. And you're like, what? Like, and they break you down and you, that's how you lose because mm. preparation is what makes this particular uh, event um, 
like kind of like I guess epic in a way. Yeah. Because you have these people like say King of the Dot or something, right? Those guys practice for months, if not a long time, weeks or whatever, to prepare for one guy. Yeah. You're preparing not against people, you're preparing against yourself. So it's a preparation, memorization, mm. me throwing four shows for this crowd. So I don't need to throw a sh- I don't need to have a set at Flow and Tell. I get four of them at the the battle. Mm. That's the way I look at it. Yeah. I'm showcasing myself four times where everybody's shutting the f up and listening to me. Now, <laughs> like you know, now, it's selfish, but I love it. Let's go. In, let's go into the specifics so that people get an idea of what we're talking about in these contests, right? But, yeah, yeah. So uh, there, there's a there's a series of MCs that sign up for this contest. Well, prior to the sign up day. Uh huh. Um. Prior to the sign-up day of the actual event, right, where people can sign up, uh, before that happens, the the topics and the beats, right, which are all tied together yeah. to e- 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 uh, themselves, come out. So they get put out and everybody has to... On our SoundCloud page. Yeah, on the SoundCloud, SoundCloud page. Com you know, the Flow and Tell. Right. For those of you yeah, that yeah. want to go And it'll go, it it'll go, like you said, Gatorade, Sandals, or whatever the topic is, and it'll be the beat attached to that specific topic. And it'll exactly. have a slight description okay. to give yeah. you an idea. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it'll say Gatorade, uh, talk about all the different flavors, how it quenches your thirst, right. how how it became to be and what it's used for and what sport you would be playing when you had it. Okay. So it gives you an eye, a platform to kind of jump off of, you right. know? Yeah. And then the beat basically whatever type of mc you are whether if you write prior or not it, it you got to lace it to that so let know? me ask you this uh from the day that the topics are released to the first day of the competition how long is it about a month it could be so a month almost two this sometimes time, this, this time, time real actually almost two it was three months mm-hmm. whoa because i dropped them in july yeah. i started dropping them in july when i was in canada yep and i mean the topics come from my brain and the common sense of the entire hip hop brain, mm-hmm. which is these are topics that we all write about anyway, right? Um, and that's that's the main thing that I wanted to introduce with this sixteen bar rap competition was some type of a competition where you're not just cutting down the next man and cutting at his soul. Because, you know, when I watch those things, at the end of them, I actually feel pretty bad for both parties involved. <laughs> True. <laughs> no, True. I'm with you. It's more uh, about it, ending a career. It's not about you know, uplifting them. I feel like I just yeah. heard a bunch of shit slung all over the room. Yeah. A bunch of dirty laundry Aired, and whistle yeah. blowing. Yeah. It's like the necessary uh, below the belting. Yeah. It's like the political picture that and we have right now like with this. Hillary Clinton and, and all like, that. You know what, what I mean? I it's think the same about shit. Both of you. Everyone's yeah. Donald Trumping each other out there. They just yeah. talking like, shit. Like I don't I like I don't think highly of either one of you now. At this point. <laughs> and yeah. even less of the one who lost, I guess. Yeah. So it's like the lesser of two evils mm-hmm. in the end. Yeah. One thing's for sure. That we cry. I ain't trying to come off like the holier than thou or the, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's definitely not the gospel rap competition. Right. Um, but I think everybody that knows obviously that the winner won. Yeah. Okay. There's been a, there's been a time or two and around here or there 
where somebody felt like they won. I'm not naming any names. We'll get into that into future weeks leading up (laughs) to the main event with former champs. Yeah, yeah. But the most... For the most part, every single judge, everybody in the crowd knew knows who won, and they feel really good for that person, yeah. and they don't feel too bad for the people who lost. Yeah, when I lost, I didn't feel bad. I felt like I like I gave my best performance, and, and somebody and somebody beat me, you. and that's like really like there's nothing to really feel bad about there. there I there, mean, seriously, and it's it's a little different than just a talent show. It's like, this is a skillful competition that I have designed um, for the MC. Just like I feel like Grind Time, King of the Dot, URL, all that is it's for the MC. Yeah. It's for the MC to, if nothing else, rinse his mind on how to cleverly come up with rhymes. Mm-hmm. Now, if you could apply the skill you're using to cut the next man down into relayed thought, then you know you'll be a very rich man yeah. if you come up with a way to ke- to sort of be also be catchy. See, that's the thing about making music: the flow of your voice and mm-hmm. how you can tell a story. Yep. Back to the flow and tell concept, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, I really appreciate how he's describing the competition right here. Uh, is and it's important to understand that about the sixteen bar rap competition. I aim to make this, and it already has become, we're on our 10th one. We're mm-hmm. doing the Tournament of Champions. That's why we have him here, who's our current champ, and he's also won two times. Uh, to, to I, I intend to make this a rites of passage for MCs in the L.A. area. Right. The same way it used to be where when you would rap on the Good Life stage. We still have the Project Blow events that happen, um, but I think this event really kind of just like uh identifies a rites of passage of being an mc an entertainer a songwriter a performer you know what i mean (laughs) and then as we as we breach as as we as we uh as we transition into the next phase of my whole idea with this flow and tell thing into a recording artist touring artists because people who have won sbrcs like him namik uh destruct beyond the only one who 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 didn't really take advantage of his sbrc champ belt title was i think hazard yeah Uh, he didn't have it too long he didn't he didn't he didn't have it too long (laughs) but i never really but all of the rest of them have got to be on bills out of city or state they on became, freeway to flow and tell tours yeah. on shows around the city on recordings with myself and and you know other og homies and and that's what it is it's like yeah. you stepping onto more of a city-wide and then national platform and it's like it's earning it right, right? Yeah. earning it the right way from um using your mind to think about some topics that you know people in the room really want to hear and what i try to do according to whatever theme of the flow and tell i try to uh, appropriate the topics to the themes Mm. so when he won yeah uh fat seven seven it was was it was like fast seven that was the color so we had x clan and it was like 
the whole, you know, red, black, and green, the red, gold, black, and green, Pan-Africanism thing. Mm-hmm. So we had topics, red, gold, black, and green. <laughs> so they had to have raps about red, gold, black, and green, however you interpreted that. Wow. Um, and, and he absolutely killed it. You know, the night when he first won, it was like an out-of-body experience. Yeah. No, and yeah, you can't find it on YouTube. The very first one, much respect to Caddy One Love Christ. Uh, I love Christ myself. Uh, he, he recorded it and put it on YouTube. You can find it. You can find the first Flow and Tell SBRC on YouTube via Caddy One Love Christ if it's still up. Uh, Destruct won that one. We'll have Destruct on in the coming weeks. Um, he won the, the first two, actually. But we, we haven't gone the YouTube route, you know? You had to be there. Yeah. You actually had to be there. And for the four to 600 people that we've had each time that have actually been there at Urban Underground, at the Airliner, 2419 North Broadway, Los Angeles, California, 90031, for the people that have been there, it has truly been special. They felt it. And they can truly pat the person who won on the back after that. Yeah. And go, man, you did that shit. Mm-hmm. I swear, like, Joaquin can tell you certain producers uh, that'll go unnamed hit him up after him won, like, yeah, man, we got to do some shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel me? Like, things will happen for yeah. you if you if you win this thing. So what I wanted to ask him was to basically take us into the mind state of starting to prepare for the SBRC. Because here's the thing. When I do it in other cities, usually the MCs don't have time to prepare. Right. So they're freestyling. Mm-hmm. Usually. But you'd be surprised. I almost wish I would have recorded. I mean, in Seattle, this past time we did the Freeway to Flow and Tell with Mike and I, man, we had some cats just out they body freestyling about these topics that we had one of the cats who won in seattle whose name is arliss we invited him and he's coming to fat Ten. now see what these cats don't know is they don't see him coming Mm. and he is a killer yeah nice now we have and here's the other good thing freeway to florentel events i'll take the same topics and beats and i'll go to san diego Rick Scales, he won the San Diego one Scales that we is did. Dope. Vista, is dope. he is a killer. Nice. Okay. Yeah, um, Kamiko, who is that one chick Uno, she's a representation of someone who won in the 805 and already came down to the main event for me inviting her, but she's lost the last couple of times. In the but finals. she was in the finals the this finals, last though. time. Uh-huh. But she, she the won finals. up there freestyling. Now, look. I personally believe she could have won the she could have contended against Joaquin against yeah. in Fat Seven. Yeah. Had she remembered her shit, but in the middle of her shit, oh, she forgot it. Damn. Yeah. So what I want you to speak to, just because um it's like and both times you won it had unique conditions. And this is what I feel. And tell <laughs> me if I'm right. No, you're right. The first time, <laughs> the first time. You had to be out of your body and really beat a tough dude that was coming for the repeat in Hazard. 
and you had to be you had to be better than everybody that night. But the second time, I felt like you had to have more stick to itiveness and more resilience. And I think your experience from having lost a few and then scenes because there were times that you didn't compete, but you were there. Yeah, of course. Or on the bill, yeah. or something I saw like that. Now we go at it both times. Yeah. So speak to the mind state of an MC that wants to win the 16 bar rap competition. First thing you do is when they first come out. You have to have the ability to just kind of just veg out on them a little bit, you know, listen to them, absorb the topic, maybe do some research, you know, and then just think, just think about them because everything that you do right at the instinctive moment to write is going to be all stuff just on the top. If you really dig deep, you could probably find an idea or a way to attack the, the, the the verse that particular verse differently from everybody else do you worry about particular opponents i don't know because the battle isn't about how how like how good they are compared to me it's how good am i like do i beat myself that's the first thing you have to think about so getting your stuff right getting your words right getting your punchlines on cue you know being on beat and stuff like that those are the first things that's the first layer that you always want to protect the second layer you have to know that, yeah, you're going to be going against some good dudes. So you have to prepare for that by dropping lines that might affect any of those people. Almost like having like different types of, uh, of an artillery, you know? So, um, yeah, you, you think about the topic. And what I do personally is think first, how would everybody else maybe try to come at it? You know? I think of my opponents and they say, okay, this dude raps like this and I've heard his songs. Okay, most likely he's probably going to take this approach. Like say like, for instance, black, right? One of the one that he's talking about in seven, that color pattern, everybody in black I knew was going to be like, you know, black Glock, black hoodies, black socks, whatever. Just it made complete sense. And I was like, okay, how do I approach this in a way that makes sense to everybody, but maybe takes them kind of like takes the rug out of their feet, right? So I said, what's one thing that I remember a lot about growing up, but I can't relate to in a lot of black sense is black movies. So I've seen Higher Learning. I've seen Menace to Society. I've seen all that stuff, right? (laughs) So I basically what I did is I flipped all the titles of the movies with the word black in it and ran it back to them. So when people started hearing it, they're like, I know that movie. I know that movie. I know that movie. Yeah. And it just wrapped them into it. Can you give me an example? Do you remember it? Yeah. Um, it's higher learning to a menace to society. The boys in the hood never go out quietly. The men in black don't always do the right thing. They're all dicks with nightsticks killing Raheem. Poetic justice for a biggie or a Tupac. My love Jones got a soft spot for hip hop. My hustle flow will make a black snake moan. I'm a dark knight rising, came to bless the microphone. You know what I mean? Mm. Just like, just bringing bars that like make people think <laughs> like, like, yeah. you know, like no, I no. got a black gun, I got a black hoodie. Fools don't want to mess with me, I'm black. And it's like, yeah. okay, I do something that everybody's going to relate to, which are the movies. Yeah, you, you got to get, you got to get lucky too. It's the luck of the draw too. Mm-hmm. Because we, um, you know, I did this, I started this on the fly. To be perfectly honest with you, 
I was on tour in 2010, the Awful Truth Tour with Musab from Rhyme Sayers. Much respect to my dude. Uh, we were in Kansas City. We, uh, he didn't, he, his tours, uh, his van broke down or something. He couldn't show up. So we had like a 30 minute block to fill up. And I just off the dome conceived the SBRC. And that night, a girl and two other MCs got up. And the girl was kind of getting the girl vote, but she was coming with it. But in the end, you know, the dude ended up winning. Uh, but it was dope. And I just came up with the topics <laughs> off the top of my head. But I kept that. And then so I was, I was doing it as soon as like, actually I was doing it. Uh, well, I did it on the cooling tour. Um, so I did it at the Florentel in March and then I did the cooling tour and I took it on tour and was doing it on that. It worked so well. Yeah. So I just like kept doing it. You know what I mean? But, um, one thing's for sure is that, uh, it's only touched the surface of what it can be. And it truly is an exercise in becoming an artist, you know, which is the whole thing of flow and tell. You know what I mean? People that win, honestly, the Scribble Jam, I mean, go back and look. Like Mac Lethal. Uh, and I think. Idea, no, no, the people that win it. Eminem, right? I think Mac Lethal, did Eminem win it? I think Eminem won the Scribble Jam, for sure. He's won Scribble Jam. He did? Yeah. Then, okay, so Mac Lethal, Eminem, Idea. Ideas won it. Brother Ali's, yeah. I want to say. No, he didn't win it. He didn't ever win it? No, he didn't win it. Okay. Those three, you know, yeah. and, and I think No Can won it, have gone on and had oh, careers. Oh, that dude from Glue, what's his name? Um, what's that cat's name? And, uh, not to diss anybody else, but yeah. I'm saying... It's like I feel like the SBRC has a chance for yeah. if you're winning that to like go on and actually do something with your career. But sorry to interject. Let, let me uh, let me let me just finish that whole black verse because that black verse is very iconic Let's because because that verse when I did it right yeah. it was cool because I didn't know I was, who I was going to be going against of course and I happened to end up going against Malathion mm -hmm. which was like a real beast MC right yeah. and he planned to freestyle. And I had this verse, and when I was writing it around that That's what time, I was saying, the luck of the draw. Sorry. Yeah. The last part of my point was it takes luck, too. Yeah. Because the luck of the draw. Okay, his verse for Black was tight. But Hazard destroyed Awari. In gold. No, in black. Was it in black? I thought he, he had destroyed, a gold. I remember. No, Malthine had the killer gold. Hazard gold destroyed Awari yeah. in black. Yeah. And maybe if he came against you in that round, you never know. It yeah, would have yeah. been at least tied. Yeah, no, you for know sure. What I'm and the, the, but the killer so, part was. And we don't, and we didn't, and we didn't, that, I guess that's why I went into all of that. Sorry. Why I went into all of yeah. how I freestyled it was we never, um, seeded people like, oh, we gonna put him against him. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I literally went like, who's the first to have guts to sign? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, do the first round like that because we usually would do a preliminary round. Yeah. 
if it was more than eight people, if it was at least ten, <clears throat> then we not when we knock off two in the preliminary round. And so then we get to head to head rounds in the second topic. So for the head to head round, I would just go, okay. The the highest number versus the lowest the last guy that it was just that numerically. That's all it was, right? And then when they lost, then it was whoever went first that time had to go last, got to go last the second time. Remember, it was always fair like that. We didn't even we didn't do no pulling out the hat or whatever. Mm. It was just whoever had the guts to sign up first. Raps first. Mm. <laughs> yeah, now, when yeah. it goes into head on head, yeah, it's whoever's still there from whoever had the guts to rap first to sign up first against whoever signed up last yeah. and seated like right. that. So it's really and then whoever I'm went first out of them, doing what? Yeah. whoever went first out of them was who went l- l- later than they did the first time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we and we kept it like that. We just kept switching off. Yeah. And so, because of that, maybe in the like in the last one. Oh, when I met Beyond, Beyond and, and Joaquin yeah. had to battle each other. Yeah. Instead of them coming together in the finals. Yeah. yeah we saw each other third round instead of fourth round. And so I will interject and say that this time. Because there is, is sudden death from the gate. There yep. is no mm. preliminary round. This is Fat 10. Yeah. The Tournament of Champions. Right. The Sweet 16. S-U-I-T-E. Mm. As in a suite. Yeah. You're seated 16. Barring a little bit from the, from someone <laughs> somewhere. Yeah. I won't yeah. say who. All right. But, yeah. uh, so this, we're, this is our tourney of champs. Yeah. Tourney of champs. That's what we're calling it to make it our own hip hop. And, and to say that to and this, so this is only people that have won it. This is the five former winners yeah. because five people have won it nine times. Wow. He won it twice. Yeah. Destruct won it twice. Yeah. Namek won it three times. Shit. In a row. And Hazard won it once, and Beyond won it once. Right. That's nine. So it's so so these are only the champ champions and former champions no. going up against each it's other. It's the it's the five former champs, yeah. mixed with invites, um, invites, invites oh, okay. that were like high, you you know, high. Rankers. They're worthy. They're worthy opponents. Worthy of worthy like nobody opponents. should take now, them lightly. What about on your usual ones? Is it just? Uh, whoever signs up first yeah. gets the, the name. The usual Pretty ones much. is, you know, our hitters that we know going to come yeah. and show up, yeah. mixed with yeah, whoever comes in the door. So there's no way of testing them if they're because you're you're trusting them to be as good as they think they are, right? Well, here's the thing: we've never tried to pay the field other than the winner yeah. before. Okay. Maybe we've done gift bags for like the runner up and the winner. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? And we've had sponsors. Much love to um, One Love Gallery Deluxe, Fab Bowl, um, Rhyme Sayers, Keep the Feel, Project Bloat. And f- uh, now we got other ones like uh, Mad Happy. Mad Happy. And I think even Freshmore. So much respect to to all our sponsors along the way that have helped us out. Mm-hmm. But um, this time we reached out 
and we we you know offered a little stipend to each seated like to 10 of them yeah basically a little something something you know what i mean yeah yeah so 10 of them were like okay we gonna we gonna give each of you guys a little something to come do this right 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 now the winner gets 250 bucks on top of that nice so in a sense you know we're we're spending a thousand bucks cash on the SBRC this time. Right, right. You do the math. Yeah, it'll you know. And uh, then, but then those other the, we we have at least four other ones that are like bona fide. That are like those four other ones are like Malathion, Gilead Seven, Rick Rick Scales, uh, Arliss now, Arliss Osmanians. Who won the Seattle one <clears throat> and uh one other person too. You're talking about Ose? Um Ose from uh, Grizzly State. No, he's he's in the he's in the he's in the ten that we oh, invite. Okay, dope, dope. He's in the ten. So basically, you know, we've we've got bona fide people this time and it's just it's it's eight versus eight from the gate. It's, it's one versus one from the it's sudden yeah. death from the gate. Anybody could be eliminated. Uh, Any champ. But what we are doing is we are seeding the champs and then who we regard as the next best three against the field of eight. Right. Now, against the field of eight, it's like pick dart. It's, you know what I mean? But we are taking... We're taking this eight, which represent the most uh, outside winner or runner-ups. So I'll, I'll tell you right now, that includes uh, that one chick, Uno. Um, and that includes Gilead Seven, rightfully so, because he was runner-up. He was runner-up against Destruct and Namek. Yeah. Two different times. And he was in the mix, I think, when you and Hazard went at it. Yeah, he's actually he hasn't lost twice to me, but he's lost in two battles that I was right. In. So yeah. Gilead Seven is uh, much respect to him yeah. is up in there, and I'm pretty sure we're gonna throw Rick White. Well, okay, there's Lyra Flip. Yep, who just on. Who he was on the first one, and a couple other ones past that. Yeah, he's kind of always been around, like willing he, to get in it or whatever. And, and sort like of that. like on OG he's status, so like that. <laughs> on OG status, he's he's up in there too, and he represents um he represents a person that's good enough to win it, freestyling. <laughs> uh, if he wrote it, yeah, yeah. But and then and then good enough to contend freestyling. Right. Yeah. But he's he I think he only wrote one time, which was the first one. Mm -hmm. And then he had like I think what he did was he had verses from other songs that he had. Mm. And I remember in the love round he lost to Main Flow. Yeah. Who then in the next round couldn't even compete yeah, against yeah, Destruct, yeah, and Destruct yeah. easily won. You, how are Whereas you? Whereas we we felt like, dang, we should have yeah. pushed Lyra Flip through. Yeah, because even Micah 
in that and that round was close. Micah thought Lyra Flip won. Yeah. yeah. I me and Satire both were like, well, Main Flow won. Because Main Flow nailed that round, remember? Yeah, he was precise. And was although he's a G, uh Kenny Siegel yeah. threw in a crazy one of his beats of on crazy timing yeah. after that. And it threw Main Flow off. He couldn't even rap on it. Mm. And Destruct just easily stepped into a double time yeah. flow that was yeah. just so easy. And he uh, killed it. And everybody was that like, is another ah. thing that makes it harder. And it was like. You have those beats that are sometimes you don't even know if you can rap to that beat. And you hear it and you're like, damn, how, how can I adjust to that? If and you I, hadn't had a lot heard of it MCs before. Do that. I've had a lot of MCs be like, I don't know if I can rap to this. And it's like, well, you're going to have to because you're not going to get past the round if you can't. Like, you and, know? and these are beats that are uh, besides the ones that are that you get before. No, the, no, no. These no. are the it's beats just that some people, are the some, these, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about people who freestyle who just get into it. Yeah. yeah. And see, this, here's what happens. Okay. We ask for people to come. Sometimes we only have six people sign up. Eight people. Uh-huh. Then as they hear the first three people start to rap, then they come More up. More out the crowd. The late, I want to get on this. The late, the late, the late bloomers. They start coming like, okay. Because they were like, I could do better than that. And then they sign up. And so, so this this is a very, you know, this is a very commu- community driven. This is fun for the people who are watching it. Not right. just the people who are uh, participating. Yeah. Um, there's something really happening with this thing that's bringing the community together. Right. That's right in line with our whole flow and tail concept. So let's fast forward and take us to, because, you know, you did the whole red, black, green one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about how, and, and you, you you won that. You were you were totally focused. That one was like, yeah, you're, you're right. I kind of like had to kind of just go way above and beyond what I even felt was possible. Like, it was one of those things where I'm just like, okay, I'm going to smash this, like, and everyone's going to respect me. Because that's what happens when you win something like this, is that everybody who hears what you did, they're going to respect you if you won, if you did something that was really tight. Like, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so so this time, uh, are you going to approach it any different, knowing who the competition is and having been... Uh, you know, in front of them before, or are you, or do you, do you have like a set? No, I have like a set groove yeah. that I've done because I've been in the last three, and every six months it's like you get about a month and a half, to almost two months to prepare for that one thing. Yeah. So what I've done almost every time is taken like a month off of doing music and just concentrate on the SBRC, mm-hmm. which I feel is the best thing to do because if you really concentrate on just that and you practice it. You're gonna give a dope performance, which is gonna make the competition better, not just trying to win it, but like you know, that's my whole envision. Because at first we didn't have a lot of we didn't have a lot of people that wanted to be in it, right. and now someone like me wins it, which is kind of funny. Now everyone kind of wants to be in it, you mm. know what I mean? And that's a good thing. I like yeah. it. I want people to be in it that are good because that only makes me have to beat them and be better. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. like I said, I don't try to lose. Do you feel I, like no one expected you to win it? I don't think anyone ever really expects me to win it. Like nobody really wants to lose to me, I'll tell you that. Uh, okay. Like do you know what I mean? Like I'm the guy where it's like you lost to him, like come on, you're better than him, like you know. <laughs> That's what it was at first and then yeah. it's like when I won 7, a lot of people kind of were like, "Oh, like damn, like Do you think it's do you think that, well, is that part of like your physicality? That they don't want to lose to the white dude with the long hair? Or do you th- like what is it that you think they don't want to lose to you for? Um, 
part of it is just like maybe they've been rhyming longer they've been rhyming longer yeah. they've been out in the scene more they yeah. probably are out in the scene more i right. don't go as to as many shows or rock as many shows as they did at the time uh-huh. you know what i mean yeah. stuff like that being uh being someone's kind of like quote unquote protege oh, you know what yeah. i mean especially someone like like ab it's like i'll walk around and most people would be like well i only see you with him and mm-hmm. you know and it's mm-hmm. like they didn't believe it you know and i had to make them believe it like kind of like okay cool yeah and i i did especially when i won that first one i got a lot of people like were like so did you write them or you yeah. know and it's like okay like that's cool like I, i'm glad people thought that somebody wrote for me right, like that, right. that kind of impressed me i was kind of like oh dude oh, like, you, guys, <laughs> you guys really think i got bars like yeah. that huh yeah. it's funny you know yeah. like I've done some of these verses in front of different crowds. Right. Like I went to BattleBot in San Diego and used some of my verses over there. And those people are like, damn, you got bars. And I'm like, sweet. Like, that's yeah. dope. Like, you know, I didn't even expect it to be taken like that, I guess, you know. But now it's just you got to carry the confidence and walk with it because now that you've won, people are kind of like, no, nah, I'm not going to overlook you now. Yeah. And that's what people are saying to me now. Well, now they like, know to look out for you. Yeah, they, 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 they know that like I'm paying, playing coy. Just because I don't want to give them any information about myself. Right. But now they know, like, okay, you can take my head off. I got to be careful <laughs> about you, you know? Yeah, That's yeah. good. That's good. Yeah, I'm glad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah let's hear the, the end of the black verse. I wanted to hear the rest of it. The rest of it? Yeah, oh, man. Let's see if I could jump right in the middle of it. Um, um, no, no, start, start from the top. Start from the top. Um, you want me to start from the top? Yeah. Hey. Okay. Uh, it's higher learning from a menace to society. The boys in the hood never go out quietly. The men in black don't always do the right thing. The raw dicks with nightsticks killing Raheem. Poetic justice for a biggie or a Tupac. My love Jones got a soft spot for hip hop. My hustle flow will make a black snake moan. I'm a dark knight rising came to bless the microphone. My black thought will bring a black hawk down. In the black sea where black boxes don't get found. Mm. We rally around the home team and bringing it back. Peace to the soldiers like General Black. And see the cool thing about that verse like I was trying to say is I was battling Malathion in a spot where it's all Project Bloodians mostly and a lot of cats who follow Blood, you know. And uh, probably within that month prior to that battle happening, um what's his name uh general black from project bloat you know what i mean and i didn't really know him but when i heard that he'd passed a lot of other people were giving their condolences Mm -hmm. so i put that in my rap Mm -hmm. and it was one of those things where like even melathion after the battle he's all when you said that the whole crowd went nuts because i just like peace to the soldiers like general black and everyone just went oh because it was so new it was it just happened you know so current so like that 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 verse became one of my favorite verses just mm-hmm. because of the way it happened and what it was and the, me going so left what everybody else did because everybody did what I thought they were going to do. Yeah. They were going to talk about black hoodies and black, you know? Yeah. And then I'm doing movie references and right. everyone just like, once they started catching on, it just like, just took the whole room over, you know? Yeah. Like, you know, in certain verses I had set them up right. like in my gold verse, I had this one, uh, I take a room full of negatives, paint it gold and toss it back to these lemon heads. Mm. And that's like basically like an atmosphere reference. Yeah, no doubt. And then, I'm, <laughs> and then when I said it, I handed it over to this dude, Awari, and uh, everyone's like, oh, like it yeah. just like, and that's what I try to do. I try to set up the punchline, yeah. not just try to outwrap the dude. I'm trying right. to like make it funny because I think that's the next best thing to people thinking like oh he's got bars and he's rapping it's like if you can make a whole room laugh yeah you can capture their their attention better than 
you know, some other things. Dude, you know? you're, it's a performance. Yeah, You're it very is. much performing yeah, in front of people. That's why I look at it. It's four songs that I'm performing. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what they do. If they do it better than me, that's fine because it's a competition. Yeah. But other than that, what I get out of it is can I uh, do every verse the way I practiced it? Okay, so you know? we're, uh, we're getting toward the end of the show. I want to I know about you a little more as in, so what are you, ex- what are you hoping to do with uh, with the element of MC? Like, what are you, what are you ho- hoping to ultimately get out of it? Um, what do you have planned in the future? What do we got coming up? Well, right now I'm finishing up a project. Uh, it's an LP. I'm going to call it uh, Well Traveled. And it's basically an accumulation of a lot of the uh, producers more than doing a lot of songs with MCs and featuring all these MCs. I wanted to feature more of the producers that are in our area. Right. People like uh, Spock Beats, people like EQ. Mm-hmm. I got a SK Ill. You know, I got a, I got a joint with Elusive. Um, you know, and, and it's like I got Rockham on there. Rock'em. And it's like it's dope because working with all these different people, they gave me all these different styles of music. And I'm basically just trying to show people kind of the full spectrum that I can bring. You know what I mean? Instead yeah. of just putting out a song where it's bar after bar, which I know people want to hear, but it's like there's so much more to me that I think I could bring out. Right. A lot of my songs are deeper than that you know mm-hmm. so i give the bars but i also would like to do some of my own personal and stuff too that's something that that i love when, when mcs tell me that because uh i learned a lot from from again from slug yeah. uh the the way they that he does it is um deliver art right be artistic yeah. be that yeah. but don't let them forget that you can spit while doing it yeah and there's mcs that that making it like chino Mm-hmm. Like Chino will do something like, you know, like Black Rosary or something like that, where it'll just be like artistic. Yeah. But at the same time, dude, he's in a, he's spinning bars all the way through doing it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and I think that's a well-rounded and it's a it's a different genre of MCs instead of just those like we were talking like the battle MCs who will only give you bars and then give yeah. them in a studio. They're lost. Yeah. They're not there. You know, it kind of. um really lets you open up different doors within yourself to express yourself once you've managed to do both. Yeah, and, and, you know, a lot of people will write nowadays, I think, for only one or two lines. Right. Because people's attention span is only good enough for that sometimes. I guess that's the way it's looked at, right? Mm. So people want to hear bar after bar because they're like, okay, that was dope, move on to the next one. Okay, Mm -hmm. that was dope, move on to the next one. Where I come from and the way I make music and the way I was taught, not only from the people around me, but from the people I've been influenced by, is we could we could break next, but we choose to show you what else we can do and, and the styles and all the different types of music that we can take from and create. You know what I mean? I think that's they've been lost uh, in this new generation of MCs. Yeah. And I'll give um not give I'm gonna blame him. But I'm saying like uh kind of like Drake. Yeah. When he'll he'll deliver like that, and even his 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 patterns are very yeah. much. I'm done with this bar. Let me rewind. Yeah, and I used to do that. I bar. used to do that. I would I was really good at writing a, a a story where I could fit everything I wanted to in one paragraph, mm-hmm. and I could tell you the entire story in one paragraph. Right. And that's cool. But when you're in school, they're like, "No, where's the middle? Where's the ending? Where's the 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 subject? Beginning, middle, and end. Subject, and you have to learn how to do that when you create songs. Yeah. Uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday about the difference between being in a group and only having to do a 16 bar verse and maybe back up the hook. Yeah. And then now you got to do two verses and the hook all yep. by yourself. Yep. And how does that one verse get transferred into a whole song now? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people can't do that. Mm-hmm. And that's what so I think some of these 
the battle technicians are really dope at that, but they don't know how to break a song down into one idea that would be one bar into an entire verse or an entire song mm. where it's like that entire feeling and emotion is put into that song instead of like, you what, know? what message do you have for the other artists that are there uh, that are going to be there? For this competition, flow and tell. <laughs> what do you have to tell them now? Let me know, and, and, and it'll be a good way to kind of close down the show. Okay. What, okay. what do you have to say mm. to them? Well, I have a lot of respect for all these dudes because I've been working with them for a long time, and I've seen them, and they're really dope. So I don't personally take any of them for granted, even the dudes at the bottom, because I've seen them. You know what I mean? And I am the current champ, and I've won twice before. You know what I mean? So I'm coming all guns blazing and nobody's safe. Not with me. (laughs) I mean, to be honest, it's like I I personally made it a point this time to prove that I'm better than some of these people. Not really just try to outwrap them because all these dudes are good. And if you don't, you don't take a swing or you don't try to make a stand, they're always they're always going to look at you as under them. But, you know, I, I came from Whittier where. The cholos would pat your pockets if you didn't throw a punch. Mm. And it's until you threw a punch and showed the homie that, hey, like I'm willing to fight for my stuff. Yeah. Then they know when they see you, okay, cool. Like I'll, I don't have to do that to you because I know like you're down with your stuff, you right. know? And it, it, that's, how I, that's how I avoided gangs because mm-hmm. I would have to hold my own against them and show them that, hey, I, I'm cool by myself. I don't need a gang. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what I'm saying? So that's... It's the same thing with rap, man. It's a it's a, it's a backyard brawl. You yeah. gotta be willing to. I mean, I'm coming. I'm coming in on this thing, I, and I I'm giddy about it. But I'm also kind of like really knowing that like I'm going against some of the best right now, and the only thing it's gonna do is bring out the best in me right. as an artist. And that's something that I would tell any person who wants to get in this, as well as any person who's currently in it and wants to win it. Because if you haven't won it yet, there's something that you're overlooking. And something you're not preparing enough for or something like that, mm. you know, because it's a preparation battle. It's a artistic battle. But if you can get in there and spend a month practicing these verses and writing them and getting all into them, yep. you'll feel proud of yourself and you'll be a better person and a better artist, whether if you win or, or lose. Mm. You know? And that's the best thing about this thing, because me being in the first one all the way till seven eight and nine and yeah going into 10 i've been in so many that like i know how it works it's like kind of like like uh the spurs going into the playoffs you know the lakers going in the playoffs they know when to hit that switch you've been there before yeah and i I feel like the veteran i I, i'll say it i'm the sbr veteran you know what i mean so yeah yeah. (laughs) i like that yeah so what you got you know i'll just say this i'll say that um bring it just tell me i appreciate the pride that everybody obviously is taking in it because i'm hearing you know i have a little secret group that i have Mm -hmm. that uh i've added all these guys into and uh i always drop information into my arp group i'm I'm pretty sure i've recently added you two into it at least you yeah um i'll add you jb but um and it was a thread going on. And early on, some of the rookies were, were kind of chatterish. 
talking about what they was going to do. I'm coming for blood. I'm yeah. taking it. Try to call out Joaquin. <laughs> Try to call out Joaquin and like the they OGs, got my number. The OGs just sat back and were like very All right, quiet. Young All right, and young that tells <laughs> me That's something. Cute. <laughs> That's cute, homie. Hey, That's cute. Yeah. That, that, that tells me something. Yeah. That tells me that... Um, Cause see, well, I will I will note this: we um we limited involvement because we kind of felt like, well, if you win back to back or three times in a row, at first back to back, we were gonna sit destruct down and just let him judge. Then he was like, I really want to do it, so he was like, okay, well, you can contend for the three peat against Namit. Okay, let me ask you: Is there a, a time where you will uh, retire in MC or never? Yeah, well, you're retired after you win three, a three P. So after three, that's it. You your 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 picture goes up on the wall of fame, and you, you're a judge. You're a judge, if anything. Okay. okay. And you're off. Look, Namik won. Namik's our only three P winner. Yeah. Now, Destruct had a time, had a chance to win three P against Namik, and it came down to him and Namik, and, and Namik won, Damn. and that started his three. So our first five volumes mm-hmm. were. All won by Destruct the first two and Namek the next. Crazy. Three. And Joaquin was at least in one or two of the other. If I wasn't in him in the first round the or something, I was something. watching him and I saw, man, I saw Namek just, man, that one, that last one. Namek took off his to win. shirt and like basically exactly. like summoned like the gods. It was the it, six and, to it, six and gods. without watching that, I wouldn't <laughs> have known how to do that myself. And exactly. that's the kind of how I learned a lot of this, you know, was watching Nam just it. like how I sat by We're going to have an interesting know? interview with him. Yeah. When we bring Apple, him Apple, I respect Apple so much. You, you'll hear G, his man. perspective Straight on up. it. It's very unique. Very dope. So having said that, you know, I'll just say that um, I appreciate the pride that everyone has taken in it. And it's exactly what I wanted to have happen. And it's it's beyond me. I mean, I'll always donate topics and be willing to be a judge and bring other judges in. And But, you know, I wanted to evolve. I think we really got something here as far as just the d- development of artists, songwriters, becoming bona fide. So, but as for this competition... I would just say, you know, good luck to everyone. Good luck to you, our SBRC champ. I know you're gonna gonna get out there and give it your best effort and come for blood. Yep. That's what it's gonna take this time. We even have a a battle round infused uh, for the final round. We no. we usually I'll admit that's the hardest one to write it to sounds, right now. That one has hard. been the hardest one to try to kind of deviate because you know <laughs> we usually leave the battle <laughs> round to uh, a tiebreaker. Yeah. This time there is no tiebreaker, so we're gonna decide a winner on each round. And and who is the judges, and how many do we have? Now the judges are usually, you know, myself, some kind of member of fellowship or OG bloating like that. We've had LA Cool, we've had Born Allah, um, and Deucer. this time, and then we'll have we'll have like a young, younger G. That's respected by the bloat and known for winning mm-hmm. some battles of their own. Um, cats like, you know, Scatterbrain. And again, once he once they won repeat and repeat, Destruct and Namek have been judges that help. Um, but this time we have myself. We have Self Jupiter from Freestyle Fellowship. 
we have DJ Mark Love. Mm. That way you got a DJ OG DJ perspective who he's not easy. <laughs> no, he not. told me when I when I interviewed with him on uh the B Real TV show, Zulu, Zulu Radio, that uh Zulu Nation Radio, Zulu Tribe Radio, that uh he's looking forward to it. Uh, he's been keeping the, yeah. he's been keeping abreast of all the topics and beats. He loves it. He he pats me on the back and commends me for everything we're doing. Yep. And he's like, let them know I ain't easy on MCs. And then we got um Deucer. Mm-hmm. Much respect to Deucer. Fresh out. Big Deuce. Uh Urban Underground's best freestyle MC for a for a lot of years and you know he's bonafide, so so we get that perspective. We everybody, you know, that's a judge has a unique perspective. Yeah. And then we got our host too. We got Shamesworthy and Scatterbrain that we also refer to, just in case we're in a tie. Sometimes we lean on them for things. So um, we got a good crew. You know, we have a really good crew, and um. It it uh it carousels, but it's always like that good mixture of OGs, mid G's, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. People you can respect, people you definitely want to give a good showing for, that's for sure. Right. And then you know the topics are coming from all you know. I, I vibe with people like Micah. You know, I vibe with Micah actually on a few of these things topics. So he's he's putting in some input. Usually what he's good for is um when we're talking about the different aspects of a topic that I came up with. He'll be like, Yeah, and you can say this and you can say that. And then I might figure out a sentence to yeah. throw that into the script. So you can rest assured that all this stuff is coming from a top level of the same way, you know, King of the Dot has a slaughterhouse heads mm. judging you. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody has their bona fide judges. Yeah. We have ours. Yeah, I got that a lot when I won the first one because you have a lot of these people, these judges and people in the crowd that are watching you and then they see what you do and they have a lot of respect for you and they, it changes their opinion maybe of you or it like kind of cements something that they knew they saw in you. You know, like when I did this last one, my first verse was about the nine. You know what I mean? So I had to drop one about the nine and I made one just so like kind of on point that I had Micah just going, ah, just like he, he saw me and he's like, you're killing it, you know? And moments like that, when you see someone like Micah or you look over and you see Ab like looking at you like, damn, you're killing it. That reminds you why you're there, Mm. what, why you prepared and why you're doing all this. And it just fires you up. Yeah. Getting (laughs) that gratification from, from artists of that caliber. Yeah. It just, I got the stink face from, I think LA cool. One of the, first times i like skunked it and yeah. he was like just gave me the mustard gas face and then i won one and he was kind of like okay okay i'll give you that like cool it's hilarious yeah. so again give us the date place and time the date is october the 2nd the place is at urban underground weekly which is held at the airliner 2419 north broadway 90031 doors open at 9 p.m from 9 p.m to 2 a.m the SBRC will happen promptly at 11.15 p.m. on the outside stage this time. Uh, we usually hold it downstairs. We've held it upstairs a couple of times. This is the first time we've ever held it outside on the outside stage. Uh, B 
Beats spun by DJ Zoll, produced by uh, EQ, produced by Rockham and Spock Beats. So those are the producers that lended us beats. And make sure you're there. You can get tickets at urbanundergroundweekly.com. And we will uh, just go to facebook.com slash flowandtail. October the 2nd, 2015, Los Angeles, California. We hope to see you there at the airliner at Urban Underground Weekly for their, I believe this is their third show of the year they're going to be throwing. So uh, they just had a nine-year anniversary with Zion I, and that went off. It was packed. Much respect to everybody that's supporting the movement. They don't do as many shows. So, you know, each one they're doing now is special. And Flo and Tell is like two of the ones they're doing out of the, like, four they're doing a year, right? So um, it's definitely a special moment for hip-hop in L.A. We're just keeping that vibe going. Yep. So we hope to see all of y'all out there, and especially on the outside stage at 11.15 for the 16-bar rap competition. Right, baby? Yep, yep. Joaquin, Joaquin Daniels will be there. The Ready to here. go. I might have. I might wear a crown. I'm not sure. <laughs> Hashtag <champ is> here. <laughs> I might come in with one of them like right. big crowns. I'm not sure yet. I'm thinking and, uh, about it. Uh, wake the flock up will be there. Also, yes. we're gonna provide you guys with coverage. Wake the uh, flock. We're uh, gonna we're gonna do periscope the shit out of it. So look out for that. Uh, yeah. We're gonna get that pop in. Of course, we're gonna get you some YouTube and we'll get you some podcasts. We'll get you some pictures and videos. We're gonna do a full coverage. We're pulling out all the stops. I'm calling in all my favors from all my uh, yes, uh yes. you know all my people's holding it down. I'm going to cover that. every single an- angle of it. And uh, uh, it's been a pl- – every time I come down here, I learn so much about L.A. hip-hop that I, I, I cannot wait for the next episode of Flow and Tell. Mm, yeah, neither, it, man. It, it's, just, it's just like – dude, I'm just soaking game up. I'm soaking him, and you know what it is. I I came in here thinking I know hip hop, and then you and then you just you just going like, oh man, all these all these names being thrown at you and these dates, and it's just like a beautiful thing to be able to absorb more. Oh, it is, man. And and I'm 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 uh, very confident that that's exactly what this show would do. And I think that's what Abs had in mind when we put it together was the um, flow being the MC and Tell being yeah. speaking and you know, then developing and what was it about. And I remember when this happened, like those stories that need to be documented and told and spoken about. Yep. You know, they're no good. Um, they're great memories, but dude, there's nothing like having an, uh, something you can hold and say like, this is the way it was down. Or I remember yeah. this date is like that. It's important to, to talk to that, to the future generation and for the current that might not know and that wants to know. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And wants to develop and feel like they're a part of that. Yeah. I mean, everybody needs to basically do their research, you know? That's Absolutely. how we, that's how I and a lot of the people that I learned from. That's how we acquired the knowledge is because we were able to look back and never stop learning and never stop accepting people's, you know, advice or opinions or whatever. And we absorb it all in and we create our own out of it. And I mean, my experience is definitely individual to me because my travels were all led through different people that I wanted to be like and stuff like that. So I chased that after that. And it's, it's been a great feeling and I've gotten this far and, I really don't plan on stopping. So. Beautiful. <laughs> yeah. So for Joaquin Daniels, yeah. he's a current champion yep, yep, who will yep. be in the house and has no intentions of losing that crown. Yeah. Be aware yeah. of that. Yeah. For the legendary abstract rude yeah, yeah, here yeah. with us. For beautiful Ally Gallery for hosting us very graciously. For Fool and Rhythm who sat with us in front of us working on, I'm sure, 
uh, is some massive and incredible. That's what I'm talking about. Thank you, Colin. Uh, breaking it down. Uh, this is Concept 714, Abstract Rude, Flow and Tell Radio. Catch you on the next side, on the B side. We yeah. got, we got, we got, we got to plan out a, a tagline, an exit out on. Yeah, Absolutely. we will. We will f- figure we it will. out. Yeah. You got any ideas? Oh man, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, if you could flow it, you could tell it. <laughs> Something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. <laughs> we'll work on it. We'll work yeah, on yeah. it. We'll work on it. <laughs> if you could flow with it, you could tell like it or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hold on, Ab's got an idea. Yo, until <laughs> all a good night and all is well. <laughs> We constantly will flow and tell. I'm with you. 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 I'